I'm Aaron Fowler and welcome to another episode of the Disability Sports Podcast. I'd just like to begin this episode by asking a huge favour. If you listen to the podcast, please can you subscribe to us on whichever platform you use for listening to your podcasts. And don't forget you can follow us on social media at the Disability SP. My guest this week is a young man who has recently completed his sports broadcast journalism degree at Solent University and who has ambitions of going on to become a sports journalist. He runs his own podcast in his spare time on which he interviews many athletes from various disability sports. He has also recently produced a documentary which can be found on YouTube called Paralegacy which takes a look at the development of the Paralympic Games. My guest this week is Peter Langton. Here's the interview, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Peter, and uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Brilliant. Um, I just wondered if you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, um, obviously, as you mentioned, I'm Peter Lenton. Um, I play for Butcher. I uh, have been for the last 15, come up my 15th year. Uh, fifth year, and I'm at Sydney University. Um, actually, by the time this comes out, I would have finished by that point. Um, on the first first of August. Um, and yeah, been doing uh sports, uh sports broadcast journalism, and uh, previously did a undergrad in sports coaching and sports development, which has always been my passion since secondary school. Actually, doing uh coaching. Um and but yeah, you uh career has sort of popped up with sport journalism, so that's the route I'll be taking. So we'll come on to your career a little bit later in the podcast, but I'd just like to start off with um your early life. Um, where did you grow up? Um, and uh, what sports did you enjoy uh, when you were younger? <laughs> okay, so I was born. I was born on the twenty second of October, nineteen seven. Apparently, I should have been born on the 31st of July, 1998. So I was born three and a bit months premature. Um, I'm a twin. Um, so that's... Um, I, I, to be fair, I was the second born, actually. Apparently, a minute apart. And I, I normally like to say that I wanted a bit of a, bit of a lie-in. So... I <laughs> So I keep my brother out first. That's the thing I like to tell people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, whether, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, and so that's that's what happened. Spent the first six months of my life uh, in hospital, you know, doing checks and everything. Came out with uh, severe palsy. And I've been told that um, for the first year and a half, two years or whatever it was, that um, they no one realised that I was deaf. So uh, before that, um, I told my mum and dad this, uh, in the last couple of years that they what they didn't notice was every time someone walks in the room, there's a reflection of the telly or there's um, a, a shadow coming towards you. You know, through the wall, you can see a shadow come across, whatever. And I would always respond like an overhearing person, apparently. Um, so quite interesting for when my mum found out that I couldn't hear anything. So that was an interesting part. I obviously don't remember this. Uh, so um, that's that. Um, I went. 
I went to all mainstream schools actually growing up uh, with a deaf unit attached. So um, it was Queen Elizabeth Foundation, like a local preschool. I remember that quite vividly. And then I went on to our own Vale, reception year one, year two, with a deaf unit attached called the Rainbow Room. Um, and then Literally next door to that was a junior school. It used to be called Connell Junior School at that point. It's now rebranded itself as River Beach, which is actually both Elmvale and Connell put together. So they've merged to make it uh, River Beach. And, um, and again, another deaf unit. Um, and then... Secondary school, it was Amory School, uh, a very big, well-known in the sports circles. You know, everyone, everyone that's gone to Amory has either gone on to be a boxer athlete or a world basketball in a couple of occasions, and then some, some in table tennis as well and all that sort of thing. Um, and that's where I developed my passion for uh, sport, you know, the coaching style of things. Um, growing up, sport didn't really interest me. Actually, I I was too busy watching Doctor Who, too busy watching Sarah Jane Adventures. That was on back in the day. So yeah, I remember all that. Um, but I wasn't taking any interest in anything really. Um, Doctor was introduced to me at uh, year seven. So as soon as I joined Amy, they said, "Well, what sport do you do?" I went, "Well, it was actually the." Pre- the year previous to that, we got tickets. The school had tickets to see a Brighton under eighteen game, I think. Um, and I remember that game quite briefly. And uh, I was a Brighton supporter, uh, mainly because I liked the colour blue. But <laughs> no idea why. That's what happens. Oh, I'm wearing blue tonight. <laughs> I was going to say, hence the colour of your shirt. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was unintentional. I promise you. Um, but no, and then obviously a couple of days later, Chelsea had a darker blue, which I liked at the time. So sort of, um, I like to make a joke and say that actually during the transfer window, I was sort of moved to Chelsea. Uh, so I've been a sporting Chelsea for a few. But at the time, when I went to Aimwin, I actually got involved with wheelchair football um, at that point. Uh, but it was a, I was in my teenage years, you know, again early on a Sunday to get to Brighton from 9 o'clock in the morning, an hour away from home, I thought, no, this is, too, I don't want to do it, it's too early in the morning, I prefer a lie-in, again, so um, I stopped, but I know a couple of friends that have gone on to be England internationals, and that went to England as well, so I know a few of them, uh, but yeah, Box has been the forever mess day, really, and then I was at Amen until sit form. So it's been a lot a lot of my time there, annoying a lot of people, which I'm pretty sure that was like yesterday. Um and then I went to Trelaws, uh, which of course you've had uh David Smith on before. Um a bit like Hogwarts, isn't it really? Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, how would you uh, describe it as Hogwarts as well? Or uh, and uh, yeah. you know, were you uh, you know Harry Potter or more like Draco Malfoy? 
Yeah, something like that. Um, and what happened actually was I got rejected. So this was 2015. Uh, and getting onto my final year at SIP form, and they said, well, what's the next step? College or uni? Or At that point, I said never to uni. No, never, ever, ever. I was quite stubborn back then and probably I'm still a bit stubborn now. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's what happened. Uh, I got rejected. Then a couple of months later, they said that actually someone's dropped out. Would you like to come and visit, have a look around the college and all that sort of thing? So that's what happened. And, yeah, I went there for the summer of 2016. was there for two... I should say that I didn't spend all of my um, two years at laws. It was part-time, if you like. So I went... I was boarding at Toulouse and then I went to Orson College uh, for my main studies. I did do an NVQ in um, um, Business Administration or whatever it was called. Um, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. And yeah, and then I did the sport side of things, a sport diploma at Orson College. Yeah, so Toulouse was all right. Good. Two years. Yeah, and then actually in my second year at uni, they said, obviously, I was going to leave. Uh, this was the 2000, uh, 2018. Uh, university was an option for them to consider. I said, I said that before, I'll say it again, I'm not going to uni. No. I said, okay, well, why don't you attend an open day? And I went, okay, to shut you guys up, yeah, I'll go to an open day. And four hours later, here I am. Uh, so, so I just want to say something then. Yeah. So, uh, going back, so obviously you mentioned you, um, yeah, Boccia was one kind of one of the first sports you got involved with, um, and obviously I, I think you played Boccia for quite a long period of your lifetime. So, what was it about the game that you enjoyed that kept you, you know, going back to it? Uh, I didn't take it seriously at first. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of other athletes that started out they're doing fine doing it for the social side of things. Um, it was just about um the tactic side of things. I would, I would, I've had people say it's like chess, and I'm going, what are you talking about? But I suppose it is a bit like chess. Um, and yeah, it's about basically blocking your power and trying to second guess what they're gonna do, or if I did this, what, what they're gonna do, all that kind of thing. So it is a bit of a um mixed message, really, in terms of. Oh, I think they're going to go that way, but actually they go somewhere else. So it is quite a difficult one to get your head around. But, um, you know, but just being the main sport that I'm in, that's the complete, and, you know, all the school tournaments and national junior games at State Marineville was always a personal highlight, uh, you know, because obviously you're not going to be playing against people in the same school. You're playing against other disabilities or maybe in other schools and you get to feel what, because you're just playing with the same people week in week out at school, you don't actually get to experience other knowledge or other skills or other techniques that people might do that you don't have in your locker. So that's always been a personal favourite for me as well. And what's been the highlight uh, of your uh, watcher career? Um, well, it's a highlight, but also a bit of a disappointment attached to it. So, um, 2020, actually, um, in the early days of this 
pandemic that we had, um, I was selected to be on the Paris TID. It was back then with Butch UK. I recently did attend a Butch UK talent day. I think it was two years prior or something like that. Um, and so I was on the programme, on the pathway with other athletes there on me. Um, that was a highlight. And then because it was lockdown, wasn't training this much, you know, obviously you've got to keep your step up. Uh, so I was in a manual chair for quite a long time at home, um, as I do. And um, no one actually confirmed this, but I think it's the, what the main reason was that um, because I was in my manual chair, I don't normally be in my, I'm not normally in my manual chair, I'm normally in my electric, um, that it probably gave me too much body strength, uh, maybe a bit too much, because 2021, we were able to go back after the restrictions and other stuff as well. When I got back onto court, but I noticed that I was stronger than before. And so they reclassified me to a five, a BC5 instead of a BC2, which I was before. And so that was a highlight, but also the biggest disappointment. Uh, but I suppose the biggest highlight without any regrets or any disappointment was actually I went to Germany uh, a couple of months ago um, and I got gold in the BC5 individual um, and second place in the pairs with a Slovakian BC5, uh, which was, I mean, I'll take it, you know, because there's obviously a, lang a language barrier and stuff like that. So uh, I was just sort of like pointing you there. You know, that was, um, yeah, the high English wasn't great and my Slovakian wasn't great either. So <laughs> we just had to meet in the middle. Uh, so yeah, that's the um, highlights. And of course, stars and selling Botchup at university as well. That's been going for five years. So yeah. And who's been the uh, toughest opponent you've faced uh, in your Botchup career? Yeah. Um, I guess, so I've got two. So one for the BC2 and one for the BC5. Um, so BC2 was a, um, someone called Rashad um, Sergeant. I'm pretty sure I'm just pronouncing that one. But Rashad. I've pl played against him a couple of times, I think. But the first time I played against him, it was the first time I went to a B Cup. So he would start off normally at and start off as Hit Cup, like uh, amateur level type of thing. And then you've got the B Cup, which is level higher, where all the other national uh, athletes are. And I've got to my first one when I was still at at that point. And I didn't know anyone. And I, I knew a few people from Toulouse and from you know, other places as well. But sure, I'd never met him before. Played against him in the first game of the day, and um, I beat him. And it wasn't until after that that I realised that he was in the England squad. Yeah. <laughs> and a teacher at Toulouse, who was there supporting, supporting us there, Kevin Smith, she came up to me and said, I don't care what other results you get today. I love you. This has been great. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, but 
yeah, so that was a highlight. Um, and then BC five, uh, toughest part would probably be Archer Eaton. Um, I had him on the podcast actually just last week it came out. Um, and you know, he's been on the BC five for years, he's always been a BC five, so he obviously knew how to beat everyone in that classification. Um, and he's been, you know really good at the game at the PC5 level. And when I joined, I thought I might be able to beat him, but unfortunately that, that hasn't happened yet. But it's still my personal um um goal really is to try and beat him next season. That's gonna come up soon. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of um tough opponents, but yeah. And you mentioned earlier, obviously, um, you've uh, sort of, uh, well, very recently, uh, literally just finished university. Um, and I understand whilst you're at university, obviously, you changed uh, courses, didn't you? So uh, you've obviously just completed your uh, course in broadcast journalism. So what is it that made you uh, decide to get into broadcast journalism? Well, uh, a couple of things. So obviously, the um, so I graduated with a 2-2. Uh, with um sport sports culture and sport development to give it its full title. And uh the next masters up for um sports coaching was a two one that I got below below the the the, the last level to that a two two. So I looked at two two courses. Still relating to sports because I knew I spent what um ten years working my way the coaching side of things. So I thought, okay, well, I've done it for almost half of my life, you know, I better look into something that's still relating to sport because, you know, I spending all that time on your education and then going in a completely different direction, it's going to be mad. Oh, that's what, that's what I think. Um, so I looked at two, two courses. The only one that really interested me in the sport area was sports, sports class journalism. And I had a look around the uh the um the newsroom and the studios that they had um and it all looked quite fascinating and so I signed up got accepted in and I coming up well all this comes out it'll be finished with actually um but yeah it, it was just about you know um. Still learning to sport, but not as an athlete or not as a coach, but to be looking from the outside looking in, sort of in making sure you do research, which you know I did review for the my podcast. Um, so I enjoy looking into the research kind of things. I I try and look for more obscure questions that you know the journalists will normally answer or people normally ask. So I try to sort of delve into like go deep into that sort of thing and try and get different answers out of them and that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's what makes it more interesting for people to listen. You know, oh, I've heard this story, oh, I've heard about this, but there's actually something else that people haven't picked up on. And that's the kind of thing that I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're joining with me now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of thing, really. And so during your course, um, where have you done work experience and have you been fortunate to, you know, cover any uh, live events or uh, games, things like that? Yeah, so going back to last year, um, there was a chance to cover a 
a Southampton football club game. Obviously, this was a season when they got relegated. I probably shouldn't say it too much, <laughs> people. <laughs> um, but no, this was when they've just sat with Hazarusov at that point, and um, 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 Stellis was in interim manager charge at that point. Um, and I went along to um report on the game on Twitter as it was, but obviously X now, but back then Twitter. And I was sort of live tweeting the action. And it's uh, it was difficult trying to keep up with the game, you know, obviously tweet it and then still be looking out for what's going on. Because obviously when I'm, when I'm watching football, I like to enjoy the game, but I've got to remember that I'm actually reporting on it. So just try to text it before something big happens. It's always going to be a bit of a, bit of a tough time. But I did that. It was against Sheffield Wednesday. It was a League Cup match, and Southampton won on penalties in that game. Um, yeah, it was quite interesting. So that's the first proper bit of journalism that I did. Um, after that, I went to IMG um, uh, in London uh, to sort of have a, a live game. It was football. It was an under-23s, I think. Arsenal against someone at Crawley or whatever it was. Uh, in a, um, It was like first, first teams at level one and level two. League one and league two, sorry, and under twenty one Premier League uh, football teams, it was something like that. Check a trade trophy or something. And uh, we had the opportunity to cut moments from the first half, like if it was a free kick or a goal or whatever, to sort of cut it up quickly. And then obviously, when you watch it live, you then goes to a replay very, very quickly after that. So I did a bit of that. That was quite. That was quite nice. Um, Voice FM, uh, probably the biggest one that I did. Um, and I started that in late January. It was either that actually or um, uh, Hampshire FA. Um, and I chose Voice because it was closer to me. I don't want to travel all the way to Hampshire really every day, so um, I just went for a local option and I've been there ever since, still there now. So, yeah. And uh, obviously, I'm aware that you uh, run your own podcast. So, uh, can you tell us a bit about what made you decide to um, start your podcast, and uh, what types of guests do you have on? So, it was initially going to be a podcast. Actually, um, I tried to make it niche as possible. Um, I noticed. Well, it wasn't until after I started it that I noticed that some other people have done, like you. And the actual official Paralympic GB podcast uh, that Andy Stevenson has done for, it was 2020 and 2021 that he did it on. And um, he's now at BBC uh, Five Alive. Um, so, yeah, I knew there was a few podcasts from, running around. But I thought, you know, because obviously this is for Voice of Bam, it's not me doing it, it's me and back. So, um as a John, as a journalist, according to the station manager there at Voice, uh, Zam Phillips, he's a very nice, very nice man. Um, and he said, um, the, the main thing about journalism is you go off, uh, get interviews, 
get some get a story and bring it in. So I started off with Jazz Turner. She's a um, pirate sailor. Um, recently announced it's not going to be an event for 24 at Paris, but actually maybe for LA 28, it's a possibility for that to be included in the Power Sport program. Um, and I started off doing that just, you know, just for a trial run, I'm assuming, something like that or whatever, just to put out there and to see how it goes. And then I thought, I might as well do it again. So it wasn't until probably third or fourth interview, I thought I shouldn't call them interviews because normally it's just me and them having a laugh because most of the people, if you go on the YouTube channel, on the podcast list, most of the people that I've had on there, I know already. So it was just sort of like friends and um, sort of coming on and, you know, sharing their experiences. And um, but because I because I know them, the conversation flows a bit easier, and it's you know kind of easier to catch them off guard and then to spill things that I don't normally talk about. So um, that that was probably the biggest thing why I sort of carried on doing it, and I'm still doing it, trying to reach fifty episodes before I tend to stop. But I don't know whether I'll carry on or not after that, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean the kind of guests. Yeah, they've been a mixture, you know, obviously butcher, there's a lot of butcher people on there, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, I have had like a few others, so I had, um, I don't have, I had people from other sports, like Tom Harvey, who's will be out in the next couple of weeks, actually, when this comes out, so it's not out yet, but he's a, um, he's not, he, he, he does wheelchair. Um, I think I might get it one here, but I think basketball might be one of the two, I think, um, that I didn't know before. So um, some people that have been on the podcast have given me other people to contact. So reaching out to them, networking is probably the most important thing of journalism, you know, networking, even though if you don't use them, they're there, you know. Um, and one example, it's quite a funny example, actually, um, I was at the Sport Awards, Sony Sport Awards, um, three months ago, and I was sat with the other staff. So I was sat, I was a student, sitting with all the staff table, God knows why, but I was put there anyway. And on my right-hand side was a guy called Sammy Langer, and uh, he, I didn't realise this at the time, but he was actually a... Um, it was a football coach for the team Solent Football Club that at Solent. And um I got a bit drunk that night, me and him. So I was probably drunk on Prosecco and Rose. And <laughs> he was drunk on beers. And I said, Well, I'll do a podcast, you want to join in. So even even when I'm not sober, I still get to do networking. <laughs> so um, so that's what happened. So I'm actually getting him on and it was quite interesting as well. He did it was a uh Brentford, he was at Wimbledon, all football clubs, you know, non-league and Premier League teams, championship teams. So, um, yeah, it's always nice to network with people, especially the ones that I don't already have on my contact list. So, yeah, there's been some good guests. And yours will be coming out soon as well. So, And who's been the your favourite guest you've interviewed so far and why? Um... I think I'll be doing a disservice 
if I do everyone on there that if I had a favourite. Um that quote has been picked up actually by Kelly because I asked her that she was at that point leaving uh Seoul University after 20 years of being there as a student and member of staff. She was the main head of contact for the High Performance Academy at Solent, which is like some sort of scholarship thing where if you do um, if you're an athlete that has gone up to the highest standards in that sport, you get free physio, um, uh, physio, it's not physio, it is physio, uh, strength and conditioning, access to nutrition, you know, all that kind of things. But I've been, I was on it for five years as, as well. So, and she said, oh, I'll be doing a disservice if I told you I have a favourite athlete that I've worked with. And so, but... I've known Kelly for five years. She was probably the favourite, you know, um, because she doesn't really talk about her personal life as much. She gets a bit, I would say, shy and a bit reserved because obviously she likes to put her personal life and work life separate. So it was quite interesting to try to pull information out of her, you know, because obviously it was exploring more of like our own years. She was into netball. She didn't carry on after second to school or university. So yeah, she's probably she's probably the most insightful guest I've had, but I think I'll be doing a disservice to say it if I had a favour. And if you could interview one person uh that you haven't interviewed yet, who would it be and what? <laughs> what, dead or alive? Um well alive. Alive. Um okay. Um ooh, that's a good question. Alan Shearer, I think, probably. Um, not only because he's the Premier League at time of recording, the um, leading Premier League goal scorer, you know, uh, at 260 goals for Blackburn and Newcastle. Obviously, he, he's still going to be the top high scorer. You know, Harry Kane went to Germany now, so it's pleased that he's not going to be the one to take the goal scoring record off him. Um, but... It's, I find it's a, a story quite interesting. You know, it was offered to go to Man United um, when it, it was it was between that and Newcastle when it chose to go to his boyhood club, you know, Newcastle, instead of going to Man United. And I find that quite interesting because obviously Man United were on a high at that point, you know, with Sir Atlas Ferguson back in those early days. And, um, and you know, um, I don't know what... I don't know what... I think it was... Um, Kevin Keegan was in charge of Newcastle at that point, I think. Um, not, not quite sure on that one, but um, obviously the famous him putting his head down on the um, on the advertising boards um, was quite an original man. But yeah, and then obviously he he ended up being manager himself at one point, managing Newcastle for the last four games or you know whatever games left. And they got relegated that season. But I think him and probably Sir Alex as well, you know, going from Aberdeen uh, coming down to um, Man United. And I'm pretty sure he had many offers from other clubs during 20-odd years at Man United. It'd be quite an interesting interview, that one as well, I think. Yeah, two really good picks. I think uh, both of those, you know, like you say, have had amazing careers and would be very, uh, you know, interesting to chat to. Um, what are your ambitions uh, as a journalist uh, for the future? Um, my main ambition is to be 
presenting the Paralympics on Channel 4. Um, whether that's posting, whether that's doing interviews, whether it's, um, you know, live on location, whether it's um, behind the scenes, anything like that, anything connected to the Paralympics or indeed Power World Championships or uh, Power World Cups, you know, because obviously the Paralympics is every four years. But what people don't realise is that there's always challenger events in power sports as always, a World Cup as always, a World Championships in sports as well. So... And it doesn't always get picked up. And I know the BBC have done a good job with the World um, Basketball, I think it was, or Championships in December, January uh, this year. So um, they've done a good job of that. But, you know, anything related to Paralympics, really, is the, is the ultimate goal. I know next year's probably a bit, bit too soon, but maybe LA 28. This being... 32 in Australia, but yeah, we'll see. But you know, at the moment, I'll just take anything at the moment, really, and um, climb up that ladder. And uh, you mentioned you've obviously recently finished university. Uh, have you started applying for jobs yet? And if so, how's the job hunt going? Um, <laughs> so yeah, by the time this comes out, my documentary on the history of the Paralympics will be published on YouTube actually. So, yeah, I already know when that comes out. But, yeah, so it's interesting sort of game again, again, contacts, getting researched, you know, asking people questions. Um, but I think um, if I can give you a link uh, when it comes out to share as well, that might be, you know, it's, be- it's better than just to share it rather than me trying to explain it because I think the documentary will probably do it justice more than me explaining it to you. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, that's that. Um, hopefully that will help me get somewhere. That's the ideal situation. Job search, well, I already have been contacted on Channel 4 for an internship, and I applied to Whisper, which is a company, production company, that's actually owned by Jake Humphreys, who's just finished at BT Sport, um, and he was on the BBC for quite some, and ITV doing the racing and all of that, um, and Open Bikes, who have the last leg as one of our programmes and stuff like that. So, uh, and being rejected by them, um, not by them personally, but by a, um, a member of the team now or whatever, um, I'll probably feel at CNN, which I know most people will probably think of the American uh, you know, chat chat show CNN when they're talking about Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all that. <laughs> um, and so, but they do have a world sports channel there. So apply for that. I'm not hired anything back yet, but um, at time of recording, I'm not hired anything. Um, but no, but definitely the journalism kind of route, whether it's behind the camera, in front of the camera, you know, um, whatever. But um. Yeah, and I did apply for something yesterday, but I can't remember what it was now. It's still production stuff, you know, social media type world somewhere. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm looking more at freelance at the moment. So I've been in contact with Butcher England 
as I've mentioned a few times already, and um, hopefully doing a few videos for them, seeing how that goes. Maybe as maybe starting off as a volunteer, I'm not quite sure. I haven't spoken to them. I haven't spoken to them in detail yet, but that's coming up. Um, and um, we'll see how that goes with that. But yeah, let's say my stock is rising. Let's say. And one thing you mentioned earlier is um, obviously how, uh, you know, disability sport, obviously there's lots of coverage during the Paralympics, but, you know, in between that, uh, you know, these sports don't really get a lot of coverage. Um, and obviously, as a, you know, I've mentioned to you before, Peter, you know, obviously I used to be a sports journalist myself. And um, I think the whole time I was there, there was only one other person I met, you know, who was a, a sports journalist, you know, who had a disability. Um, so I just wondered in your time, you know, have you met many other uh, sports journalists with a disability? Because um, for me, I think, the more people with disabilities that can get into sports, and I think that's going to be the key to helping, you know, increase the coverage of our sports as well. Yeah, d definitely. Um, I actually did interview Andy Stevenson. I got in contact through LinkedIn, and I approached him to be part of my documentary of Fest of the Paralympics, and just sort of talking more about the um, talking more about the uh, media side of, you know. Obviously, the BBC had the um, coverage before in the 1990s uh, and the early 2000s. It was only like a two-hour highlight show of the whole games uh, three weeks after the games had finished. And then, of course, Channel 4 picked it up in 2010 for the 2012 London Games and then Rio and then Tokyo and then now Paris next year as well. So and and it was he's got um no arm so like you know cut off there got an amputee if you like um and um is it's quite interesting because he said that he doesn't always talk about disabled sports he wasn't an athlete himself he was a journalist um and um he is is covered able-bodied um golf. Recently, he's you know he does other he does football. He is now at BBC Five Live, which I mentioned earlier. Um, he does football. He does all sort of things. So he's not necessarily uh, restricting himself to power sports. He does other things as well to sort of um, cover the time. Um, but I do find that interesting. That's probably something that something like that that I'm gonna go towards. Um, but it's nice to have the option because I said to him that I did sports coaching, so you know, whether it's sports coaching, whether it's sport development, whether it's being a journalist, whether it's being a sports journalist, whether it's being a broadcast journalist, you know, there's many um avenues you can go down. And the main, the main point for changing my degree at the time was to sort of cover more areas that I can do and not just limiting myself to one specific thing. And that it opens up the prospect of more job offers and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So it's always nice to widen your horizons, I think.
Brilliant. Well, uh, Peter, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your uh, story. Um, congratulations, obviously, on uh, finishing university. Um, please do send me the link for your uh, documentary because I'll be very interested in watching it and I'll certainly share that out myself. Um, you know, it's been great to kind of make contact with you via LinkedIn and sort of get to know you the last couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, um, I'll please you know keep me posted on your career and would love to chat to you again one day to you know see how everything's going. So thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Peter. The next episode of the podcast will be out in two weeks' time. And as always, thank you very much for listening.